0: Anything specific to gold and silver that people should be aware of as they get ready to do their taxes? The well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And today we are going to be digging into a topic that certainly as we round out the rest of 2023, it's going to become more and more important, which... Obviously, we have the year ending, which means taxes, unfortunately, will be coming due soon. Yes, I know that that's perhaps not everyone's favorite thing to dig into, although fortunately, we do have a licensed investment advisor and certified tax specialist joining me on the show, who you may have seen a couple months ago, Nathan Wilson, making his second appearance on the show from Independence Money and... Fortunately, going to help us go through some of the topics specific to precious metals. Also, some other things that are more general, not only to precious metals, but certainly that you may not have thought of and might find helpful as start readying those taxes. So Nathan, great to have you back on here. And thanks for making some time to join us today. And how is everything going with you?
1: Thanks. I'm glad to be back, Chris. I appreciate uh, being on the channel. And, you know, I actually like talking about taxes because it's one of those things they write the rules. And if you know them, you can use them legally to your advantage. And so that's uh, hopefully I can have some good tips and tricks here for the viewers today.
0: Well, I appreciate you being here. And I think that's something that's handy for a lot of people because certainly Uh, it's, It's one of those topics that can get people overwhelmed and certainly it's great to have help in digging through and fortunate to have an expert like yourself today. So to start off with, obviously we have a big gold and silver investing crowd and perhaps anything specific to gold and silver first that people should be aware of as they get ready to do their taxes in a year where currently gold and silver are up. Mining stocks are down, so we can dig into tax loss selling as well. And But anything you could share on the gold and silver side to get things started?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is I, I like to start with organization. I mean, I have just a basic Excel spreadsheet that I write down what I've purchased, you know, what, what type of coin it is, what year it is, what the date was I purchased, what the purchase price was. Um, I think that's good record keeping. You do have to report. Any capital gains, whether they're short or long, on any profitable, you know, transactions on metal, um, and you know, if the way the government's going in the kind of the crypto markets, where they're kind of, you know, making some of these exchanges adhere to reporting on 1099s, wouldn't shock me in the future if that rule hit some of the bullion dealers as well. And so you might as well just start by, you know, keeping your purchase prices accurate and knowing how to report taxes for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a good point because I think some people treat it differently than perhaps stocks where fortunately most online brokerages have a clear record of that. If someone's been investing in silver or gold for a long time and maybe decades back, but doesn't have clear records, what... What would someone in that position want to start doing?
1: I mean, I would try to find him if possible. I mean, the IRS is going to default to zero if you know you can't prove a transaction record. Um, there's there may be some room for what's called good faith, meaning if you kind of know what the general time frame was, you can look it up on you know the internet on what the what it was trading at at that time. Um, but I would definitely kind of track that stuff down. Keep in mind, there is still a step up in cost basis to death. So if you inherited some coins from your dad or your granddad, and you know, they they bought these things decades ago, but they died last year, well, then that's a pretty easy thing. You just look up what was the price of the metal uh, on the date of their death. Keep in mind that, you know, what is defined as the value of an item is what a buyer and seller agree on and so i know with precious metals there's this premium spread but if if the majority of bullion dealers are going to offer to buy your metals spot there's your price it, it's not it's not what it's you would buy it for is the value it's what the you'd sell it for which is the spot price um, for purposes
0: of capital gains okay that makes a lot of sense and We'll dig into the IRAs a little bit as well, although the other thing wanted to go through first was the tax loss selling. Uh, obviously, for some people who have mining stocks where mining stocks are down in general a bit on the year, but any thoughts or strategies people should be aware of if they do have tax loss positions that they're looking at?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing is obviously short or long-term go based on 12 months. So if you're selling something at a loss for less than 12 months, it's written off as a short loss against short gains and then long-term against long-term. But the main thing is you have to really have gains to write off losses or you're limited to only $3,000 per year, but then you can carry that forward into subsequent tax years. But I like the way you had asked me the difference between metals physical metals versus mining stocks because they're two very different things mining stocks are considered securities uh like any other stock bond mutual fund etf is and there's a wash sale rule there for writing off losses so just to make up a stock general electric at hundred dollars and it's currently let's say it's 70 dollars now and you want to sell it at at $70 to write off that $30 loss, you'd have to wait 61 days to rebuy General Electric or that wash sale will not allow you to write off that loss. So mining companies, you can switch from mining company A to mining company B uh, and not have that wash sale rule. But if you like the stock that the miner you want, but you want to harvest that loss, you got to wait 61 days to get back in. That does not apply to physical commodities. So literally you could sell your silver eagles at a loss if you're there, um, book that transaction, obviously keep good records, turn right around and buy the eagles right back and not have to wait those 61 days. So that might be an idea for some tax loss harvesting going into the year end.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And Nathan, uh, the other day when we were talking, you mentioned something I found interesting that you're a big advocate of setting up structures for your assets. Uh, Obviously, that's something that applies to metals, but could be outside of metals as well. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that and some of the structures people might want to be looking into and considering.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's a great question, because I think a lot of people, professionals and individuals alike, spend the majority of their time thinking about what investments to own. But I almost before we get there, let's get real investment agnostic and say you need to focus first on the structure on how you own your investments, because what good is building wealth if you're going to lose it to taxes or to liability? like a creditor so for a perfect example you know let's say you own precious metals in your own name i don't like that personally because you can have infinite liability um, for any kind of litigious action and you would have no protection over those assets where if you own those same physical metals instead of your ira or your 401k or your roth you have federal protection from creditors under that that asset class and you also have a tax strategy, meaning if you were to sell your metals at a gain at the minimum, they'd be tax deferred in the case of a traditional IRA or tax-free if you're over 59 and a half in a Roth. So I'm a big fan of making sure you own them in structures that at the minimum offer some asset protection, ideally asset protection and tax protection would be great.
0: Okay, and I know on the metals side of that, there are specific types that are qualified for some of those structures and perhaps you could just walk through that.
1: Yeah, the main thing is is what you can't own in a retirement account or qualified account is what's published. So you can't own artwork, you can't own collectibles. So when it comes down to metals, if it's considered a collectible or what's that word you use? a numismatic. Yeah, I mean, that generally is going to not be allowed. And then there's a fineness standard of like 0.99 or 0.999 that has to be a fineness standard to own them inside of a qualified plan. Other than that, you can't have them in your physical possession. You have to own them in the name of the qualified plan. And generally, that's going to have to be held at a vault uh, or qualified custodian for it to be considered you know, arm's length transaction, but you definitely can do it. Uh, You can own real estate and precious metals inside of retirement accounts, whether it's IRA or 401ks or Roths.
0: Okay. And you were also mentioning that there's a difference in terms of an international LLC. And how would that compare to some of the options you just talked about? And in what scenarios or situations would that be something that'd be more appropriate for people to look into?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the more money you have, the more you want to spend to protect it. And that's a good caveat to go into, because if you get into an international LLC, you're getting into a legal fee for getting it set up. And then you're getting into some pretty arduous and expensive reporting that you have to report uh, international assets that are above like $10,000. And that costs some bucks to report. I mean, thousands. So, I mean, First off, if you're gonna go that far, you're probably looking at having an asset value north of a quarter of a million or greater to justify those hoops and loops and costs. But just like the acronym stands for LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, at the minimum you're encapsulating that risk, uh, even if it's domestic. And so I think that's a good idea um, I own a lot of LLCs for asset protection, including ones that are domiciled outside of the state. Because again, even if it's domestic, if I incurred liability in my state where I live, but now somebody has to go try to attach that liability into another state's court, it runs up the barriers, not saying it can't be done. And then there's certain states that have better protection than others on certain scenarios like Delaware, South Dakota, Nevada, um, or in Wyoming even, are are places where LLCs have stronger liability protection than other states, including maybe the one where you live. But you get into international, right? I mean, that's a whole different downside, a whole different jurisdiction. And uh, a lot of times countries don't look at liability the same that we do in the United States. So for example, if you own rental property overseas and you slip on the floor, that state, that country's jurisdiction may say, hey, you might want to been looking where you were walking. You know, know, the
0: trips happen
1: where the United States are like, oh, we'll we'll give the credit or whatever they're looking for because you hurt your head.
0: Okay. And uh, yes, obviously some different rules depending on where you're going. Although fortunately, I know that's one of the things you help people with. And um, we'll mention at the end how someone needs guidance in any of those different scenarios, how they can reach you. Um, Another thing I wanted that you mentioned that perhaps you could touch on was other asset classes that people maybe don't think of as much that also provide asset protection and are tax-free. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it it helps to talk to a qualified professional that is focused on asset protection. I mean, I live in Colorado. So for an example, you know, home equity in Colorado is protected up to $75,000. And then a creditor can attach a lien where other states it's unlimited. But there's things you can do. Like I mentioned, you could put them in LLCs or certain asset protecting uh, structures uh, like retention LLCs and things like that. And then likewise, life insurance and annuities, the cash value on those varies state by state for asset protection as well. In my state, it's a, it's a quarter of a million dollars. In other states, it's in the millions. And so that's an example without getting too complicated life insurance and annuities, right? You can have some asset protection there, but properly structured, you can also have tax protection. uh, If you know protection from income taxes, I call the ones I designed triple tax protected because you're protected from the growth. You don't pay taxes while it grows. You don't pay taxes when you take the money out and spend it and your heirs don't inherit the tax when you die, and you leave the money behind, presuming you're below the estate tax exemption. That's three levels of taxes, as well as some asset protection that can occur for a relatively simple, non-complicated transaction to set up. Again, compared to owning that same amount of money in your own name, where you don't have that asset protection or that tax strategy, I think it makes a big difference
0: okay well that's certainly good to know and something that i think people might not necessarily think of initially uh now nathan another thing that obviously people have been thinking about plenty is the inflation and price increases that seen in the us uh seen around the world in the past couple of years although fortunately for people in the us inflation uh, finally perhaps one benefit we've had an increase in the tax brackets in terms of how far the bracket goes up before you get the higher tax rate so fortunately a little good news from the irs and uh perhaps you could walk people through how those changes are playing out and and how that works
1: yeah that's i mean that's a good one and and that's i think one of the few good things about inflation is it, it does hit the tax tables as well i actually did a video on this on my channel on Independence Money on YouTube, I think it was November the 18th or so, where the IRS announced new tax brackets. And so basically they've increased them for 2024 at 5.4%. So that means like, you know, if you were right at that threshold of that 15% federal bracket, now you can make 5.4% more and still be in that 15% bracket likewise standard deduction went up it's now twenty nine thousand for married people that's up fifteen hundred dollars more than 2023 and ira and roth contributions are up to seven grand uh 401ks are up to 23 grand and then of course there's catch-up provisions if you're over uh 50 and so these are all things where they're 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 taking in account inflation when you have tax strategies as well as taxable income. And then lastly, the health savings account. I I really like that. I mean, it's a tax deduction up to $7,500 for a family. And then you could pay these inflated medical bills with basically pre-tax money. So, you know, take advantage of that as well.
0: Okay. Well, that's certainly good to hear about the health uh, savings account for health. Uh, And appreciate you mentioned the IRA in there as well, because obviously that impacts a lot of people. Another one I wanted to run by you, uh, which I saw in one of the videos on your channel, which is really helpful. And we'll have the link to that in the description field below. And you commented on how the Trump Tax Jobs Relief Act is expiring in 2025 or set to expire. see who is running the show by the time we get there and what policies they put in place but anything that people can be preparing now to put themselves in the best position for whatever happens upon the expiration of that in uh, just about a year
1: yeah exactly i mean i think the big idea there is you need to plan and prepare i mean you know plan for the worst and hope for the best is kind of my general idea on on really everything not just the the tax act that could expire, obviously that depends on the election. There's a lot riding on this. I mean, I think without getting too politically biased here, Trump has been so demonized across the board that if, if he's not, or somebody like him doesn't win the election, it wouldn't surprise me that they killed the Trump you know, Act or the Tax Job and Relief Act just because Trump's name was on it in the first place. Whether it's good for America to keep or not, He seems to be on that level of kind of getting demonized. Um, There's a chance they might keep parts of it. So I think some of the things that we would like to see stay are the standard deductions. A lot of Americans, you know, simplified their tax reporting by by not having to do a Schedule A for itemized deductions when that standard deduction was effectively doubled with the Tax Jobs and Relief Act. And then that's set to sunset. So that's going to not only make people pay more taxes, but now they have to go to a more complicated tax reporting or back to the schedule. I wouldn't surprise me uh, if they gutted huge chunks of of it that they kept that. Um, But we'll see. I mean, the big thing that scares me uh, is how they spend things like corporate taxes went from 35 percent to 21 percent. you know, a lot of times you hear on the news, uh, corporations don't pay their fair share. If you raise taxes on corporations, they still have to be profitable. They're going to pass that higher expense on in increasing the prices of their good and services to the individual, and they're going to be right back in an inflationary standpoint that's totally preventable if we would leave that corporate tax code the way it is and the, the Tax Jobs and Relief Act. The second thing that did was it brought a lot of companies back on domestic soil that I think if if they let that part expire, more companies are just going to leave America for that reason. So I, I hope these people are thinking this through. Uh, according to our math, income taxes will go up for about 65 percent of the United States households if this uh, act was set to expire. And prices of goods and services are going to go up across the board. Uh, with those increase in corporate taxes for your wealthier viewers i would be very focused on this estate tax because it is set to sunset back to 6.8 per million we've obviously gone through a really big bull market not only on on the stock market but also on real estate and more individuals than ever would be roped into that estate tax problem if that estate tax sunsetted back in 2026 all of these things are things that we can plan for and create plans to protect assets and income from that tax, as well as regular income taxes. I just think you have to make a decision. Is it what you make or is it what you keep that is most interesting and motivating to you?
0: Yeah, I hear you. And obviously, uh, we'll see in due time what happens in terms of the treatment of that. But like you said, anything that you can plan and prepare for ahead of time certainly goes a long way. So appreciate what you're saying there. And Nathan, last one I have here, this was actually a question from our viewer audience and he was wondering the tax treatment on gold or silver from an IRA program if you take a deduction before age 65. So for example, if you bought some eagles for $30 an ounce, vault it and you sold it A First scenario at 35 and wanted to withdraw, what sort of fees and taxes are you looking at? And then perhaps second of that, let's say that you sold it at a loss at $25. Does that still give you the benefit of a a tax loss or how does the treatment on both of those scenarios work if someone's withdrawing before retirement age?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the the IRA trumps all other forms, and really all of those qualified retirement accounts, they trump all the other forms of what other would apply on the underlying investment. So once that investments in the IRA, IRA rules dominate from a tax standpoint. So you can buy and sell in an IRA and you're not gonna pay any capital gains because the money stays in the IRA. And I'm a big advocate on that. I think it's the ratio of 80, the gold to silver ratio. I'm a big advantage, you know, advocate of doing that in a retirement account because then you could swap from gold to silver and back and forth as that ratio changes and not book the taxes. The only time the tax is gonna apply is if you take the money out of the IRA. But what's the definition of money in this case? It, it, in this case, if, if, if it's physical, it could be you could sell the underlying gold coin, if you will, not pay any taxes on any capital gains or on the transaction of selling it, but you would pay the regular income taxes if you distributed that from the IRA. And those are just regular state and federal with the exception if you're under 59 and a half, there's an extra 10% penalty tax. But in the case of physical, you don't have to sell it. If, If in this case, I think you mentioned it, you know, if it's say $25 an ounce, and you want to take it out of the IRA because you have to vault in an IRA and let's say you you want to have it in your physical possession again um you could distribute that coin out of the IRA at $25 and its physical form it. you would just report that $25 as a income tax amount that you took out
0: all righty well that makes sense and Hopefully it helps explain his questions and perhaps, Nathan, you could just let people know where they can best find you if anyone does need help with some of these things going forward.
1: Yeah, Exactly. So, I mean, the big thing is you got to remember the dash. It's independence-money.com on the web. Uh, That's also my email, Nathan at independence-money.com. Um, I definitely can offer, a you know, 15, 20 minute complimentary conversation as well. I do do a lot of good concepts on the social medias. I've got an independence money, YouTube channel. Uh, I certainly welcome you to subscribe there because there's a lot of good how-to videos and, uh, informative videos as well that are fairly evergreen. And then of course, if you're, if you like rumble, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, we're on all of those socials as well. So definitely check us out. Uh, we kind of depend sometimes on being on these, these channels for people to find us because sometimes I talk a little bit too conservative on tax strategies for the logarithms to kind of promote some of these ideas. Um, but yeah, check us out or, or send me an email and I'd be glad to you know have a complimentary conversation with you and, and kind of look at what the structure are is that you own your investments and and kind of look at it through that view of does it give you the best asset protection does it give you the best tax strategy are you making that investment work the best you can with the laws they give us to play by
0: well i think that's well said and obviously the sooner that we get some of these things in place obviously goes a long way and can add up especially over time and especially with larger amounts of money that obviously everybody wants to be in compliance maybe some people don't want to be in compliance but I recommend being in compliance and taking care of what you have to pay but not ending up paying more than you need to unnecessarily so uh, Nathan I thank you for your insight today and uh, by all means anyone watching at home if you do have questions, uh, the links to reach Nathan are in the description field below. And get out there and start planning and preparing so you get your things filed on time this year. But hope this was helpful for people, especially as we round up the year. And Nathan, thanks again for joining us. And we'll check in with you again soon, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure.